every farmer needs to go through with their advisor those hedgerows and margins to make sure that they are correct and that the measurements are correct because what we're being told uh, as of now is that some of those may not be 100% correct. The new cap 2023 to 2027 kicks off this year to replace the existing scheme. As this is an important income stream for all farmers, it's likely you've heard or read something about the new scheme. For most farmers, applying for the scheme will be similar to last year and involves a trip to their local advisor. However, if all of the crops are planted before you make the visit to your advisor, it may be too late to make changes on your farm to claim the eco scheme. The eco scheme will make up a significant part of your payments in 2023, and there are a number of actions which you must comply with in order to qualify. Have you thought through these options on your farm? You are listening to the latest episode of the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. The new eco scheme will pay a rate of between 70 and 80 euros a hectare, providing the farmer fulfills two of the eight listed measures. To explain these measures and how best to comply with the requirements, I'm delighted to be joined today by Shay Phelan, a tillage specialist in Sharks. Shay, the eco scheme is new this year. Is it replacing something that was already there? And will some of the rules look like something that farmers were familiar with in the past? Yeah, Michael, as you say, the eco schemes are new this year. Um, and to a certain extent, uh, they're replacing the greening that a lot of tillage farmers would have been pretty familiar with over the last number of years. But that said, um, the eco schemes do contain new regulations that farmers are going to have to comply with this year. Um, and they're based on a reward system for rewarding actions, you know, that are beneficial to the likes of the climate, to the biodiversity, water quality, and and the environment. That's how they're pitched. So there there are more there are more compli- are more rules and regulations uh, for farmers to comply with this year to get it. Um, and it is a it is a voluntary scheme. And I suppose that's the first thing that people need to be aware of. It is a voluntary scheme. If you don't qualify for it, you can still get your BIS and your CRIS payments. Um, but I suppose if it's if it's going to be somewhere around seventy euros a hectare where they where they where they think it's going to be, um, if you're on a pretty sizable area, it, it comes into money very very quickly. So while it is a voluntary scheme for most people, it won't be voluntary because of the level of payment they'll be getting from it. Okay, and in, you mentioned there in, in your comments there that it's uh, it's it's replacing greening, and as people. As farmers might know, greening greening included crop diversification. So in other words, if you had uh, needed to have the two or three crop rule, maybe as it's, as it's known, is that part of the eco scheme? And uh, I suppose is I suppose is that even active this year? Yeah, as you say, most people, most tillage farmers would be familiar with the two and three crop rule, which was there in the previous scheme. That's now been moved from what was greening into what's called conditionality, and conditionality cr- replaces cross compliance. So that. That will be kind of a mandatory, if you like, in a couple of years or next year. Uh, there is a there's a derogation from it in 2023. So most most people are probably aware of that already. That there is a derogation from that two and three crop rule for 2023, but it will be in place in 2024, which is a compliance issue uh, as part of conditionality or GAIAC seven, as it's called. Uh, and on top of that, then. Uh, there's a new uh, measure in that conditionality called crop rotation, and that's a rotation on a parcel level every four years. And that that will be starting this year. So 2023 will be the first year in that four-year cycle of that crop rotation that's coming in this year as well. So it's, it's complicated, Michael, but people need to be aware of, of the different different um, rules and regulations on that as well. 
Okay, we might come back to that maybe in a different podcast. But for exactly. the moment, crop diversification doesn't have to be, or the two to three crop rule is suspended for this year. So somebody, if they really wanted to, could have all spring barley or all winter wheat or or or, or you know just just two crops. Whereas in the past, they might have had to have three crops. Yeah, that's true. But I suppose we'll come to it later on. The eco schemes. There is a measure there in crop crop rotation and eco schemes as well that people need to be aware of as well. That it is an option in eco schemes, but we can talk about it later. So Shay, you mentioned in your in your uh, in, in your previous answer there around kind of the, there, there's a number of eco schemes there. There's a there's a few options people can take. What, what I might ask you to do maybe is just go down through the entire list, uh, and maybe we'll circle back around to to the few that may be more suitable for tillage farmers. Yeah, you're right, Michael. There there are a number of, of what they call agricultural practices um, in the eco scheme, and they're kind of they're labeled AP one to eight. So we'll just go through the list that are there at the moment. So at AP1 is a thing called space for nature, which is your hedgerows uh, and buffers and that. AP2 is what we call extensive livestock production. AP3 is limited uh, chemical nitrogen usage. AP4 is planting native trees and hedgerows. AP5 is the use of GPS controlled fertilizer spreaders and sprayers. AP6 is the soil sampling and appropriate liming measure. AP7 is planting a break crop and AP8 are uh, sowing of multi-species swords. So that's the eight of them there. As you say, some of them will be relevant to tillage farmers and some of them won't. Okay, we might maybe have a look at a few of those. So you mentioned the one around the uh, ecological focused areas uh, uh, or maybe they're called something different now. People might have known known, known them uh, as that in the past. Uh, up till now, people would have had it in, an idea for those areas, the hedges and the margins, as you called it yourself, uh, and, and the ditches that they probably came into five, seven, and for lots of place, place farmers, maybe up to 10%. Will it be calculated in a similar way for the new scheme as it was in the past? And can the farmer look online to kind of see whether there's a, to, to see that it's on there on, on, on their maps and that's what's going to be calculated into it? Yeah, so as you say, most people will be familiar with the terminology EFAs, which are ecological focus areas. That's now called space for nature. Okay, so previously in the schemes from 2015 to 2022, you would have been asked to have at least 5% of EFAs on your farm. Now as part of eco schemes, there are two measures here that you can actually apply for. If you're in the standard, which is over 7%, you qualify for one of your eco scheme measures. And you bear in mind, you must qualify for two eco scheme measures measures to get your full payment okay so in the in the space for nature um, um area you can have two two measures so you can have a seven percent which is your standard or if you're above ten percent which some people will be uh, you will qualify for two eco scheme measures so that actually qualifies the farm for your eco scheme payment whatever that manages man uh, that happens to be so from that point of view the eco the space for nature is probably the most important one to get right and to measure. Now, on the application forms, people would have been familiar previously with the maps that they would have got where these these measures or these um, EFAs or space for nature, as they're called now, would have been marked. So they again, you can see them online. And if you go online, you can see the, the, the measurements of, of, of space for nature. Now, the one thing I will say about it is that every farmer needs to go through with their advisor those hedgerows and margins to make sure that they are correct and that the measurements are correct because what we're being told uh, as of now is that some of those may not be 100% correct. So the farmer with the advisor needs to go through 
those measurements on those space for nature margins and hedgerows to make sure they're in the right place and they are actually what 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 this what the um, what the program measures is accurate. Uh, and I hear, I, I hear Shay that said there's a few other features that have popped into to that and um, the likes of uh, uh, the wild bird cover and some other kind of features that might have been on the farm in the past. Are, are they included in the in, in space for nature? Or are they? Yeah, so the, there's a list of them there, Michael. There's there's fallow, there's habitats, as you say, wild bird cover, stone walls, woodlands, margins, buffers. Um, or some of the area which I've seen on on some farms is may, maybe areas that were designated as scrub uh, originally. They're now counted in this uh, space for nature. So, you know, some farmers will qualify for this, no problem. But, you know, there are some tillage farmers out there, maybe on some of those bigger fields that we're familiar with, that uh, may struggle to, to get to seven or even especially the 10%. So they need to look, actually look at, at each map and each field, unfortunately, and make sure that the measurements are the are, are accurate on those fields. For a number of farmers, probably a lot of farmers, they'll probably get at least one of their um, measures through on, on this space for nature, probably get to 7%, which is fantastic. But uh, probably a lot of people might have to choose another one. What, in your opinion, of, of the other seven that's available would be probably most likely to be picked by most farmers or suit most farmers, maybe? Yeah, well, given where we are at the moment, Michael, and there's a big push on the protein payment, I think planting of a break crop is something that farmers need to need to consider in this area as well. Um, and planting of a break crop where you have at least 20% of your arable area is planted as a, as a break crop will qualify will qualify farmers. That said, 50%, more than 50% of the land must be arable. So if you have more than 50% of the land is grassland, you can't qualify for this. But bearing in mind, just, just for most, arable farmers they, they you know they are more than 50% arable so if you have a break crop of peas beans oil strip or oats or any combination of those and they make up at least 20% of your arable area you'll qualify as one of your one of your measures here so i think that's something given the given the um push i suppose to grow protein crops i think it's 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 a very viable one for a lot of tillage farmers Okay, so from just the list you have there, the potatoes, maize, beet, those late harvested crops, they don't... They don't qualify. No, they don't qualify. So it's, okay. it's mainly a combinable crops. So it's peas, beans, and oilseed rape or oats. Okay. Um, so I suppose, Shane, that one, if, 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 if people are kind of stuck and that is the one they're going to go for, they really do need to be conscious of this now before they uh, plant all the crops to make sure to have the ratios of that right so they sort of qualify for this particular one. Absolutely, Michael. This is a measure that you can't just arrive on the 14th of, of May, the day before uh, the closing date of the of the, of the the application and decide you're going to go for this because you'll have to plant this earlier in the season. So most people are planting beans at the moment. So, um, you know, if it's, it's certainly something you can't do at the last minute. Okay. You mentioned also then one of the other options there which might, might come in for some people is the option for a GPS controlled sprayer or spreader. How is that going to be viewed or looked at? Yeah, so again, this is something that um, tillage farmers especially, I think, will will look at and investigate and see is it, is it applicable for them. So uh, basically in this measure, you have to apply all your chemical fertilizer, whether that be in a compound form or on a, or on a liquid uh, and or your plant protection products, they must be applied by a GPS a spreader or a sprayer. So the, the the machinery that they use must be capable or must be using GPS technology. Um, now that can be either their own machine or they can be availing of a contractor service. So if you have a contractor coming in, spreading all your fertilizer for you for the farm, uh, 
uh, for the year and they have a GPS, which most of them do now, that will qualify you. Um, now that said, you have to keep receipts and you have to if, uh, you have to keep receipts from them as well. Um, and I suppose the other thing, just to be aware, a lot of people would have um, would have got TAMS machines uh, previous to this. So you must record the serial number or the serial number of the machine must be entered as well to make sure that the, the machine is capable of using GPS technology. So I suppose it's probably one that most people will look at uh, and say, well, you know, that's certainly one I can plumb for, but it's just not as straightforward as it looks at first glance. So, Shane, does it does does the farmer need to have both, or can he have either or or both? Either or or both. Okay, um, and it can be either, as I say, either a contractor service or their own machine. Okay, perfect. You mentioned then, um, just to go down to the list, maybe another one that might be suitable. Maybe would soil sampling be a, be suitable for this year, or what's involved in that? Yeah, so the soil sampling under eco scheme measure, and bearing in mind that the eco schemes are looking for uh, above kind of your normal practice um, measures. So on this one here, we would have been familiar, I suppose, with people from the nitrates uh, taking soil samples every four to five hectares. This goes a step beyond that. So you have to make a so- take a soil sample from every three hectares. So there's more cost incurred here. Not only that, but you also have to do an organic matter soil test in that as well. So um, again, it's a higher standard than what the, the nitrates would be. So I suppose that from that point of view, it, it's making farmers do a little bit more. Now, again, uh, it's probably an option for some farmers. Um, the other thing I suppose to just to mention about this as well, where lime is required as per the soil sample, that lime must be spread as well. So it's 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 a, it certainly is an option, but I suppose you need to probably look at the other ones first if the soil sample is already done for this year or you're not in that sort of rotation. Now, the other thing just to mention about soil samples is you can only avail of this once in every three years. So if you don't avail of it this year, you can avail of it next year, but you can't avail of it then the following year. You know? I, I know the terms and conditions aren't out just yet, Shay, but do we know in terms of the soil sampling when that needs to be taken? Can... Can a farmer take that soil sample up as far as May or into September in, into this year, or does it need to be taken already before the closing date of the um, BPS or the? the well, we, as far as I know, Michael, what we can do is we can use soil samples that were taken from the 16th of September last year and through to through through this year as well. So okay. um, they don't have to be done immediately, or they don't have to have been done just now. They're going to be done before this. They might be an overly popular one because there's a lot, a lot of cost involved in that. Exactly. exactly. Moving on to the other one then, you, you mentioned one around uh, limiting chemical fertilizer use. How does that one stack up? Yeah, so again, uh, on, a tillage, on a tillage farm or an arable farm, um, you have to have you have to use an overall farm uh, nitrogen rate of less than 139.41 uh, kilos, a very specific number. But you have to lose uh, less than that on the overall farm. Now, just thinking about this, uh, certainly for most winter cereal growers or people who are you know grow a lot of winter cereals, that's probably not an option. But it certainly might be an option for spring barley growers or people who have a lot of peas or beans on the rotation as well, where you know the overall. Overall, they mightn't be using that much nitrogen, but on, on some of the cereal crops, they might be using a bit more. But again, it's something you have to plan that. You can't just arrive in, as I say, late late April, early May, decide you're going to, to, going to go for this option because it takes a little bit of planning as well. So, you know, you just need to be bear that in mind. While it looks maybe to some people attractive at the, at the outset, it may take a little bit more planning than, than they thought. Presumably there's a bit of... Um... Uh, a, a bit of uh, paperwork in behind that in terms of having a nutrient management plan. Obviously, but also, yeah. do you think there's will be evidence or proof needed by the department to prove uh, that you're under that limit? 
Yeah, well, again, I suppose it comes back to keeping receipts. Um, whenever the fertilizer register gets up and going, I suppose that will probably uh, feed feed into that as well. So, but again, at the moment, when the fertilizer register isn't open, they'll have to keep receipts for any fertilizers to buy at the moment. Okay, so we're probably down to the last few then in terms of the ones that mightn't be maybe quite as popular because um, maybe farmers just don't have them on the ground. So you talked about extensive livestock option. You talked about there's a multi-species option. And there's one around planting trees uh, option. You might maybe briefly chat a little bit about those. Yeah, so the livestock one, the extensive livestock production um, is obviously it's based, it's aimed at, at livestock farmers. And again, to qualify for this, more than 50% of the land must be in grass. Um, the, they're subject to a maximum stocking rate of 1.4 livestock units per hectare uh, and a minimum stocking rate of 1 livestock unit per hectare. Um, so I suppose the other thing about this is that they can qualify for an enhanced option as well, where that if they're below or if they're below 1.2 livestock units per hectare, they qualify for two um, eco scheme measures. But again, in an arable situation, it's not really it's not really an option for 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 arable farmers. Um, the other ones then are the multi species sward one. Again, uh, there's there are there are um, terms and conditions with this as well. And for most arable farmers, it's not going to uh, it's not going to be an issue. Um, they must sow at least seven percent of their eligible hectares in this in this action in year one. Um, and again, it's a it's a three year. They must maintain it for three years. So again, for people are doing for arable farmers doing crop rotation, probably not really one that's that's going okay. to that's going to trouble them too much. The final one then, as you say, Michael, are the planting of native trees and hedges. And I suppose this is probably the one. If a farmer arrives in on the fourteenth of May with nothing done, this is probably the get out of jail card or the last chance option for them that they can actually go out and plant native trees. So in this measure, you have to plant three native trees or one meter of hedgerow per eligible hectare per annum for the standard option. Okay, so uh, if you go six native trees or two meters of hedgerow um, or three native trees and one meter one meter of hedgerow per hectare that will count as two eco-scheme measures. So as I say, if uh, you land into your office or whoever the advisor is, is going to make the application and you've nothing done and you don't qualify on any under any of the other measures, this is probably a measure that will get, get you out of jail for the for the coming season. Uh, and I suppose, Shay, I suppose it does it does beg a couple of questions there. Um, uh, I, I probably wouldn't be recommending anyone to sow trees in, in, um, in May, I suppose, in the first place. Um, but secondly, do you think, um, from that point of view, do you think there's a, 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 a quantity of trees out there to be able to get those trees? Do you think? Well, again, that's they're native trees, so I mean, that's that's the other problem that you may encounter, especially as you say, Michael. If if somebody arrives in in May to try and get those at that time and plant them, really isn't ideal, and you know to make sure that they're actually, you know, uh, viable to actually plant them. Um, you know, obviously planting in May is not is not is not ideal. So, um, really, it's probably a, a measure for the for the winter months of the year. Um, so I'll look at it, it's something that they, they need to be they need to be thinking Planned about well that. in advance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, from the point of view of that, then the um, are those trees planted out in the, out in the field, or can they be planted in in hedgerows or beside hedgerows, or do no, we have they, that detail as yet? They can't, as far as I'm aware, they can't be planted in the exi- existing hedgerows. They have to be planted in, you know, areas that are that are not covered as as, as of yet. You know. Okay. All right. So that's 
Certainly not one for everybody anyways, that's for sure. But no, look, no. From, from what I can take from you, Shay, there, the, the, the big thing here really is, is that there are a number of options there. There's probably just about enough maybe for, for tillage, not a huge amount. Um, but if they're well planned and, and thought through at the early part of the year, of which we still are at the early part of the year on the 1st of March, um, there's plenty of, of, of opportunity to, to make sure that they are in place to claim all that money that's there. Yeah, you're right, Michael, that it is something that is going to take a little bit of planning uh, and talking to some of the advisors in the last couple of weeks. It's something that's probably going to mean that when a farmer comes in to do their application uh, in March, April or May, whenever they're doing it, they may have to come back for a second consultation, which takes a lot of time because, you know, when you arrive in the first day, you may think uh, looking at the options that are there that they might suit your farm. But actually, when you sit down to do the figures and do the mapping and so on, you may discover that this is not really practical for me. So you may have to go back and go and look and farm again and investigate and see what is actually practical and come back and do a second time. So um, it's 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 important that farmers will consult with this early, as you say, and get get some plan in place because ultimately it's neither it's all it's all in or nothing. You either qualify for this or you don't, uh, and you qualify on all the eligible hectares that you have, or you don't. So there's not a graduated payment where you get paid on half your land. You either get paid on all your land, or you get nothing. So it's it's very, very important that people would actually uh, take the time and plan it, and, uh, plan it and be ready when they go through their application. Shay, you're very good. Thanks thanks again. Just one final word, I suppose, just the fact that um, from the information that we have, and we've, 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 we've given out today, um, we don't have the full terms and conditions yet. Shay, do we? Um, so there might be a few more small nuances onto some of those rules that are in there, but that's the best of what we have at the moment. Exactly, Michael. So again, hopefully when people are coming in to do this in the next coming weeks, they will have the full terms and conditions. And it's, and it's important, as you say, to consult all those terms and conditions to see what, what restrictions or regulations are involved in all of these. Great. Thanks, Shay. Thanks again. No problem, Michael. That's it for this week. And my thanks to Shay for joining me on the podcast. Next week, we continue with the third part of our protein series, looking at how proteins are being used as a high value ingredient in prepared foods. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.